Okay, so it is time for our kids' corner this morning. So, kids, Ben, are you awake back there? Or <laughs> don't sleep through your father's sermon. That's not a... So, I guess that what I really want to know today, tell you what, why don't I sit on this side and you can go over there somewhere with your peers. How about that? How's that? So what I want to know today is how come we like some people and others maybe not so much? What is it that makes us like people? What do you think? If they're nice, but what is nice even? What does that mean? So, like, can I tell if somebody is nice just by looking at them? Is it about how they look, about good looks? What do you think? Yeah, it's how they treat you. It's something, actually, there's a word for this in adult vocabulary. It's called character. Character is about how you behave and the decisions that you make, right? So actually, there's more to character than that. It kind of works like this, that, you know, the things that you think you do and the things that you do become habits over time, and habits basically become character. So, you know, it's not all about good looks, that's for sure, but, you know, uh, even as good-looking as I am, for example, you know, Believe it or not, when I was Ben's age, there was a kid in my class, and everybody wanted to be his friend. He was very popular, and I think it was mostly because he was good-looking, because honestly, he wasn't a very nice person a lot of the time. You know, that can happen, but it's especially actually ideal that this is Mother's Day that we're talking about this, because, you know, the Bible actually has a special verse in it for women that have good character. It says a woman of good character is more precious than rubies, more valuable than diamonds. How about that? And, and yeah, what do you think? Well, if they're nice to you and not nice to others, that's also character. You know, uh, when your mom and I were dating, I, and I wonder sometimes if this didn't play a role in why she picked me. The, the, our very first date, we were, we were out, and we had a new waitress, I think, or not very experienced one. Anyway, she had this glass water pitcher that had kind of a horn handle, and the horn fell off the pitcher, and the thing hit me in the shoulder and dumped water all over me while, we, while I was on this date. You know, now... I could have been angry about that, you know, I could have not given the waitress a very nice tip, but I did all of it, I, I didn't get angry and I did give her a good tip, you know, and I assured her that I was fine and she was okay, you know, I think that's kind of being nice, right? And you know, why would you be nice to one person and not everyone? 
Are you partial to some people based on how they look, maybe? Do you think they'd be better friends, right? You know, anyway, the story I was going to say, you know, this friend that I had when I was your age, he attracted all of the other, all of the other kids. And what we began to notice is that when I planned something with one of my other friends, if that kid got invited to Jimmy's house, all of a sudden he wasn't coming to my house anymore, right? So now I can't control how I look or how popular I am, but I can control how nice I am. I can control being a quality friend. That's what character is really about. And that's what I want to chat with the big people about today. What do you think? All right. We better move on here. <laughs> so. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Now, as I mentioned to the kids, character is revealed by our decisions and subsequent pattern of behavior. Character is revealed by what we feel and do without even thinking about it. It's sometimes said that character is what we do when no one is watching even. It's also what we repent from doing because we realize it was wrong. You know, and that's a very important part here. Uh, no one can lead a perfect life and live up to their own standards, much less God's. Character stems from the interaction of thought, feelings, and will. Recall then, from a few weeks back, that will is basically our ability to choose. The will is self-determination, and it's even, e even the smallest child values his capacity to act on his own. And now I have a special Mother's Day story. You know, I recall a time, this is a testimony to my will, even as a child. Anybody here as a mother familiar with the concept of strong-willed kid? Well, that was me. And I don't remember any longer what the issue was, but I remember getting spanked and stood in the corner and yelling that I'm still not sorry, it was totally worth it. <laughs> so, you see, our will, you know, we want control, right? You know, even from little on. And the will is about the center. It's about the heart of, the, of personhood. It's what gives the individual dignity and worth infinite worth even, because it's from the will that love stems. The will of, of the spiritual being is the one thing in nature that God does not override. Because to override will is to force our hand. It's to basically make us the doll baby with the pull string. You see, even, even feelings, which are in, often interpreted by thought, even these things fall into the domain of will because we can choose how we interact with our feelings. We can choose to 
or try and choose to put them out of our mind, or retell the story kind of like I did up here with our kids. And certainly our thought life is a, a great deal a matter of will. I mean, we can decide what we want to think about, how much we want to think on it. Now, the will can change thoughts and feelings available for future decisions, but it cannot change things in the moment. And that's why God's word is important in this situation. So, the character of man, by the way, is a reflection of his God. So if my God is me, my character reflects very much human things, my desires. But the Bible, in a number of different places, insists that we need to reflect God, that our character should be a reflection of God. Without Christ, the natural man's God is, of course, himself, as we've said many times. And the natural man asks himself, how can I get what I want? And this question is filled with duplicity and deceit and darkness. It's filled with self-deception about pride that what we said last week kind of traps the man between desire and fear. <clears throat> because we're apart from God, our inevitable condition is to grasp at control. Wherever we can get control of life, and grasp at control of our world, whatever that means. And there's no limit to the depravity of the human heart, as our verse from Jeremiah stated earlier. The heart is the will. It's the spirit. It is precisely what God observes and what he addresses in human beings because it is, above all else, who we are. It's what we choose. It's what we choose to be now. It's what we choose to become in the future. The heart of the natural man reflects this image of self in its isolation from God. By contrast, the Christian is called the single-minded, joyous devotion of God and of God's will. We are to want what God wants. We're to want what God wants for us and for the world around us and to serve him and his people and so to be transformed into Christ-likeness, that is, to take on the character of Jesus Christ. So that instead of asking the question, how can I get what I want, the Christian more and more asks the question, what good can I bring about in this situation? So goodwill supplants the exaltation of self, the Christian character is then shaped by first surrendering to the will of God, to his will, consenting to his supremacy in all areas of our life. The person who intends to do God's will must begin with what God says God wills. He wills goodness for all, so we must be careful not to entangle our will and our own desires together. Everyone knows that our will should be without malice, without guile, without manipulation of others. 
Secondly, surrender needs to give way to abandonment as grace and wisdom grow as we surrender more and more. Abandonment is being fully surrendered to God. It's having no part of self that holds back, even unto death. How could this be God's will? You know, the, the Christian has, <clears throat> Christianity rather, has become stagnant in the West, perhaps because it grows in leaps and bounds where it requires the greatest sacrifice where it requires martyrdom. And this is precisely what drove out the demons of the pre-Christian pagan world in the, in the West. Christianity, Christ, will win this war. We need to believe it. And I, I contend we cannot appreciate because of the world that we've inherited how utterly wicked this world was prior to Christianity. Second, or thirdly rather, moving beyond abandonment, we need to reach contentment. Being content with life and how God runs the world. Being content to trust him and his plan to bring about his will in creation, his rule in our world. Not by force, but through free will, love. And lastly, beyond even contentment, lies the intelligent and energetic participation in accomplishing God's will. No longer just spectators, but by playing an essential role in God's, God's kingdom. In, in conclusion today, I want to be clear about something here. To succeed in identifying ourselves with God's will is not, as often mistakenly believed, to have no will of our own. It's actually far from it. It's rather to have a fully functional will, not at war with duplicitous ideas, not contrary to the people around us, It's to be the person with the well-kept heart, the well-kept will, the well-kept spirit, someone who is prepared and capable of responding with goodness, even in the face of whatever situation life hands him. In Matthew 10.39, Jesus said, He who has lost his life for my sake shall find it. Oddly, and contrary to modern thought, we find ourselves not by pursuing our desire, but by pursuing him. The will of God isn't contrary to our will at all. It's sweetness, it's life, it's love, it's strength, it's, it's courage in the face of adversity and certainty of victory in all circumstances. When you've fully given your heart over to God, you find that you found the person you really are, and the person that you were always meant to be. God, what an amazing and beautiful thing you have done. Oh, sings my soul. Mm. Amen, Lord, and amen.